for those of you that are relatively new to Christianity, we're Protestants. So what that means is we end with a sermon typically and not communion. Okay, so if you've ever wondered the difference, there it is. No, it's much bigger than that, I know. Um, for the first seven years of my marriage, uh, the dishwasher was named Max Vanderpool and not Kenmore. So for the first seven years of marriage, I, I was the one who every cup, every spoon, every plate, every pot was hand-washed by yours truly. Now, I came from a home that was a hand-washing dishes home. And so there were some ground rules in place. For example, you get one cup. You don't get two cups. You don't get five cups. You get one cup per day, per annum, per day, per day. And the cup must make its way to the sink at the end of the day. It's your responsibility. You cannot leave it anywhere. Well, I got married. I fell in love with this girl, and I just really was smitten by her. And we went to, did this thing in a church, and I was like, I love you. I love you more. I do. I do. And then we moved in. She didn't tell me that she came from a different home. And in her home, the dishwasher's name was, in fact, Kenmore. And in, in her family system, the way it worked was you would get out a cup and you'd, you'd go sit down in the family room and you'd get involved in something and then you'd get up and go somewhere else and you'd be like, man, I'm thirsty. And so you'd go into the cabinet and you'd get another cup and you'd use that and maybe a plate or two and a snack and you go up to your bedroom or some other place and you have your snack and then, oh, somebody's at the door. And then you go to the door and then by the end of the day, you've got dishes and cups and spoons in like three or four different rooms throughout the house. It was an opportunity in my marriage for love and service. In, <laughs> just like you think it did. <laughs> in your family, in your family, when important things don't get done, people get upset. And problems, it creates problems. When important things don't get done in your family, people get upset and it creates problems. Teenagers, you have a practice. You need to be picked up at 6 o'clock. You were invited to a friend's house to an awesome party at 7. You have told both mom and dad this. You know they, it's, oh, yes, we know, we know. We need to be there. 6.05, 6.10, 6.15 rolls around. No mom, no dad. You text them. Where are you? 6.25. Now, everyone else is gone but you, and you're waiting. 6.38, mom rolls in. I'm sorry, honey, I forgot. In that moment, you are not feeling those Mother's Day thoughts, are you, right? Something important needed to happen. Now you're all sweaty, you don't have time for a shower, you're going to be late for the, you're upset, it happens. Let's take another category. If you have babies at home, first of all, I'm sorry. I remember what that was like. I'm glad to be in the stage of life that I am, but Babies at home necessitates the changing of diapers, and, and whether it's cloth or disposable, but let's assume you went the disposable route. So you got babies at home, and you run out of diapers. Junior is wearing the last one. So one of the parents goes off to the store with a list of 11 items and comes home with 10. Guess what was forgotten at the store? Diapers! I know, it's so weird how that works. And so what happens? Somebody gets upset. It creates a problem. And you're standing in your kitchen wondering, do I really need all of these dish towels? 
or the cardinal sin, the cardinal sin, you, somebody uh, drinks the last bit of milk and does not post it on the fridge, doesn't tell anybody, it's just gone. And so you get out your five or six or ten Oreos because you've had a rough day. And you've got them there on the plate. And you open the refrigerator and what do you see? The empty carton. <laughs> yes. Somebody gets upset and it creates a problem. We like to say that church is a family, is more like a family and less like a business. And so here's how, here's how this works. Just like in your home when important things don't happen and people get upset and it creates problems, in a church family when important things don't happen, people get upset and it creates problems. It does. Now some people like to say that, well, if we could just go back to Bible times, everything would be okay. Amen, sister. Come on. Woo-hoo! Yes. I have two problems with going back to Bible times, and the first and most important of which is that there were no toilets or indoor plumbing. Let's not even bring in antibiotics, okay? All right? So, but, but people still got upset, and there were still problems in Bible times. And if you don't believe me, you need to look no further than the book of Acts, where we encounter the first family problem in the church and we don't get any farther than chapter 6 when this problem uh, hits the church so if you brought a bible along open it up to the book of acts chapter 6 and it's the book right after the gospels matthew mark luke john acts okay in acts chapter 6 we have recorded the church's first real problem the church at this point was a baby organization Um, It wasn't even called the church. The the people that were part of it were called followers of the way. Um, They referred to themselves as believers or the believers. And it's a baby organization. And in chapter 6, verse 1, we get hit with an empty gallon of milk in the refrigerator. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, chapter 6, verse 1, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Collective gasp. (gasps) I know. Now, the Hebrew-speaking Jews were the born and breds. If you're familiar with Nick Vegas, you know how this works. They're the people that were born and bred and have lived here all their life, and then there are the transplants, the Johnny-come-latelys the people who have fled Michigan and Indiana and places, right, (laughs) to go to school or get a job, all right? So same thing was true, similar thing was true in Jerusalem. You had the Hebrew-speaking Christians, which were the born and breds. They grew up there. They lived there. And then you had some Greek-speaking Christians, and they were transplants. They didn't have extended family in the area. And so what happened? The church is giving away food to widows. And oops, The Hebrew-speaking widows are getting food. The Greek-speaking widows are not. Now, here's my assumption about what's playing out, and it's just an assumption, so you can't take this to the bank. It's not like Theology 405. Wouldn't that be an awesome class? Okay, so here's my assumption. I don't think that the Hebrew believers had a meeting 
Y'all come. We're having a meeting about the daily distribution of food. Come on, let's gather around. Earl, sir. Yes, I'd like to bring to the floor tonight that we've got a lot of Greeks in the church, and I just got to say I don't like Greek. I don't speak Greek. It's Greek to me. And I say, I say we don't give them no food. I say we keep the food to ourselves. All in favor? Aye. Motion passed. They did not have a meeting and make some kind of intentional decision to stick it to the Greek-speaking widows. I think this is a sin of omission. It was a, when it hit the fan and people were upset, it was a, oh, that's right, there's all those widows too. Oh, crud. <laughs> or other types of words. Okay, so here's what I've learned as a pastor Here's what I've learned as a pastor. I better read this so I get it right. When something important doesn't get done, it doesn't matter whether the mistake was intentional or not. People get upset, and it creates a problem. It doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not. And so the Greek word used in this uh, verse, chapter 1, uh, the Hebrew speaking, uh, complained. The word there is murmuring. They were angry and upset. And pay attention here. If the church leadership didn't get it right, this would have been the opportunity for the first church split. And you better believe it would have been the, we're the church that gives food to everybody. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. There would have been that church. And then the church that only gives food to certain people church. You know, those people. All right? So what does church leadership do? That's verses 2 through 6. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. And the Baptist said, amen. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, not Parmenjon, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven men were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So they called a meeting. And Peter stood up and said, hey, everybody, um, it's like Peter. Um, apparently, like the Greek widows just aren't getting food. So if I could just have a show of hands, would some of y'all be willing to show up next Thursday? And did they? No, that was not how it worked. They called the meeting, and the leadership said, here's the problem. Here's the solution. And the, the solution that was uh, put together to solve the problem was such that everybody in the church was like, yeah, that'll work. Yep, good idea. Let's run with it. So there was that consensus that played out. Um, it's obvious because of this that the believers had input, okay? Uh, it wasn't just top-down management. So they choose seven men. Um, the men part isn't as important as the ethnic background part, okay? Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. Guess what, guys? These are Greeks. These are Greek background folks. Do you think the Greek background folks are going to catch every single Greek widow? You bet they are. It was a solution to fit the problem. Um, now, as you might expect, the story ends with an amen all the widows were fed, and they all lived happily ever after. But no, actually, the ending is a little different, and that's verse 7. So, God's message continued to what? Spread. Fixing a... Something needs done in the church, it's not getting done. A solution is presented 
so that the thing starts getting done again. And what happens? God's message spreads. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and the kicker is many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Because a critical need was met, the church's mission moved forward, and even priests were added to God's family. Without the one, without addressing the unmet need, the God's mission advancing thing wouldn't have happened. They're connected. If there are unmet needs in the church, it hinders the gospel and it hinders the church's mission. And that's what I would say to you. So when it comes, when important things aren't getting done in church, people get upset and it creates problems. Now in the stereotypical small to medium-sized church, it gets worse because in, in many of these churches, what happens is 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work. And here's how it plays out. Let me just talk about your aunt that everybody knows, okay? This is the aunt who does everything in her house. She does all the cleaning, all the dishes, all the laundry, all the vacuuming, all the everything. And she's, you know, and she always is kind of grumpy. Because, you know, nobody's helping out the way they should. I can't believe these people in this family. No one ever picks up, a, you know, she's grumpy because of it. So what happens in these churches, right, where 10% are doing 90% of the work, over time they get grumpy. And you know what it's like to be around grumpy people. It's just no fun. I mean, so that's, it exacerbates the problem. And the other reason is that most churches are doing too, too much. Um, now, I would say to you, Generations Community Church, we're doing better than the average bear. Um, we're doing better than the average bear. I think we've avoided those two pitfalls uh, here. But I would say to you at Generations Community Church, we actually need you. I know it sometimes... It's been true in this church body where people have verbalized some version of, well, y'all really don't need me because it's covered or it's, you know, it's taken care of. And I would say to you, oh, that's not true at all because you're the only you that there is. I know that whole snowflake book has a measure of truth to it, okay? So you're the only you. And so when you're you, when you're you, the you that God made you to be, you add something to this family. makes you irreplaceable. It's a good thing, being irreplaceable in that sense, because you're you. Um, and so we need you to be you with your personality and, and your perspective. And there's this thing that you carry around with you, which is your strengths and your talents and your gifts. And we need those things, too. Paul, in a letter to, uh, uh, in a letter to the church at Ephesus, which is actually a circular letter, he says that when you're born again, on top of personality and gifts and strengths, which you kind of get because God hardwires you that way, you get a divine enablement. You get something special on top of it that God uses to touch and impact people around you. So it's kind of a cool thing. So I, I want to talk to kind of two different groups for a minute, if I can. Group number one, for those of you that you're up to your elbows and you're serving and you're doing things at Generations, I would ask you with all due respect, regularly, consistently, from time to time, step aside and let somebody else have a go. It's real simple. I mean, I'm not asking you to quit. That's a, you know, heaven forbid, you know, all this week. I quit, I quit, I quit. No. But make room for other people to do what you're doing. Step and and here's the thing, the personality part that will play out, right? Because there'll be this part of you, well they don't know and they may make a mistake and they'll do it wrong. It's okay. I want to articulate for us, this is a learning organization, not a perfect organization. And when push comes to shove, I'm always going to err on the side of learning rather than perfection. Right? So if you're doing something, 
make, make room from time to time. Just step aside and let somebody else have a go of it. Uh, I've been trying to do this more with preaching. I don't know if you've noticed, but I did the math. Did you know that thus far this year, I haven't preached eight times? And a lot of those times I was actually here, I just wasn't preaching. This is August, that's the eighth month. That's like once a month. <gasps> if we were Baptists, there'd be like a vote of confidence. Come on now. <laughs> I'm not doing my job. But you've gotten to hear some great stuff and great messages. And it's been encouraging what's going on. So, again, if you're doing something, from time to time, step aside and let somebody else have a go of it. If you're not doing anything, would you commit to step up and try something for two or three months, say between now and, and Thanksgiving? Um, we'll help you, if you don't know you, we'll help you get on, get on a path and take some steps so that you can articulate what, who you are and, and what your strengths and, and, and where you probably best fit in. Because over time, what I found is it's better to be serving where you fit than serving where you don't. Because if you're serving where you don't, then it's like a, you know, it's a life force being sucked out of you rather than a God-infused, you know, absolute, man, that was awesome. So allow me to articulate. From time to time, I get asked, well, are there any big needs at the church? So if I could uh, piggyback off of Rick Warren, I'll have uh, Max's top th pick three. So we'll piggyback off the lottery. Oh, that's bad. Okay, so, but Max's pick three, okay? If there are three areas of need right now in generations, those three are preschool, preschool teachers and assistants. Now, we don't have a big group at all at the moment. I mean, we could have Sundays where we don't have any preschoolers or Sundays where we might have three of them, so it's not a lot of them. But there's a lot of you making babies, so there's, you know, we're going to be growing quite a few, all right, in the next year or two. So preschool teachers and assistants would be the first. Uh, women youth leaders. Now here's, you got to be over 18 to do this, but in youth land, they want some more women, uh, women youth pastors, women youth leaders. Um, and last would simply be set up, even if it's once a month, saying, okay, on this Sunday, I'll show up early and I'll help, you know, load in stuff. And that would be my, like, pick three. Over the last nine months, I've been working on stuff in my heart and in my brain so that uh, when it comes to family things, I don't allow stuff that's in here and in here to get in the way of service. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, some, sometimes uh, uh, people have a heightened sense of responsibility. I'm one of those people. So on my strengths finder, responsibility is one of my top five. So this is what would happen. Let me give you, and I, when I spell it out two different times, you'll go, oh. So like two years ago, if there was an event that was going on at my house, several people at the end of the event would say something like, hey, is there anything that we could do to help, you know, tidy things up, put it back, da 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 And I would say, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll get it later. I was denying people an opportunity. We're like, how can I help? Duh. I'm now to a point where I'm like, when, so now when I get asked that, I'm like, well, yeah, actually, you could one, two, three, four. And if you can't do that, that's great. But if you can, that'd be awesome. So I want to, the other thing for some of you and for some of us in this room, there's this perfectionism thing that kind of plays out and it's got to be just right. And sometimes you're reluctant to hand things off because, you know, they won't do it as good as you. And it's true, they won't. I admit it, you're right, okay? But, but, but if we're a team, if we're a team and we're a family, then we share and we let other people have a go at the bat too, right? So those are a couple of caveats about how your heart and head can kind of get in the way and, and mess up service so that people aren't serving when they should be serving and can be serving. And when everybody does that, it's awesome. 
And I'll give you a perfect example of how, that, how this works out. Um, I don't know how long it's been that we've been doing these Oikos meals, but uh, what is it, a year and a half, two years ago? How long has it been? Charlotte Lacey and Paul and Janice Huber kind of looked at things, and they saw an Acts 6 uh, uh, need. In other words, they said, you know, we don't have, we're not doing as many parties and events as a church as we used to, say, five years ago, because we've got a lot of small groups now, and da-da-da-da, but, you know, it seems to us like there's a need, you know, there's a need for kind of, you know, people don't, it's awkward, they don't make dinner anymore, you know, and, and just a place for people to kind of show up and hang out over a meal, and it's a no-stress thing. It seems like, it seems like, and so they talked with church leadership about it, and we worked out a solution, and boom, they implemented it. And for probably a season, it was like, well, is this really going to work or not work? And I would say these days, man, it's, you know, working as in a home run out of the park. And the Oikos meal is this monthly thing that happens at uh, the Huber's home where you just show up and it's lunch after church. Kind of like if it would have been 1970, what would have happened if you showed up and you relatively new? Somebody would have said to you, oh, come over to our house. I've got a pot roast in the, pot roast in the oven. It would be, you know. Well, no, they wouldn't talk that way, okay? They would talk better. But you get the idea, okay? And so the, that, the Oikos meal, and, and Charlotte and Paul and Janice doing that, that is right out of Acts chapter 6. And so I hope it's the case for us as a church family that that will continue to be true and that from here on out um, uh, we won't find our ever selves opening the refrigerator door and going, there's no milk, but there'll always be milk in the fridge. Make sense?